I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. I got to give a disclaimer, first of all. Um, now, Jason's going to be recording this. Jason, how's our light? We okay, okay. Um, we've got this new HD camera back there that we're going to start um, putting our stuff back on the web page in, in HD. And um, that's a good thing. And so we uh, worked a little bit with the lights. And they said, well, how bright or how little you need to get? I said, just get it any way you want to. Because it doesn't matter to me, and it doesn't. So um, Jason is going to be recording this. Uh, what I'm going to say next, it may, be a, it may be a reasonably short thing. It may turn into a message. I don't know. So those of you who are working with our youth at any point along the road this morning that you think you need to carry the kids back, you can. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how long this is going to be. But what I'm about to share with you is part of the historical record of our ministry. Okay? A lot of you don't know much about us other than this is where you're supposed to be. And you weren't with us at the beginning. And so what I've got to say goes back to the beginning. I'm going to bring you forward pretty much as quick as I can because the subject at hand, the thing that has driven us to make this presentation this morning is the fact that um, many years ago we did something. And I'm going to share the results with you today. Um, so here, let's just get started. Our ministry began in 2000. Uh, revival broke out in a Baptist church here in town where uh, I was the pastor. And over the course of a few months, we had the opportunity to begin our own ministry. We, we were able to disconnect and, and leave the church, established church ministry, and, and, and go, to the, go to Walnut Street. It's down there where... Um, there used to be an old grocery store in town, and it's where the fish market is now, right beside the Press Sentinel. Yeah, the fish market. That was part of the, that was the building that we were in. It's right behind Badcock, if you know where Badcock is. And so things rocked along, and, and, and God was doing a lot of different things in our ministry. And one Sunday morning, we had um, a meeting. And probably just prior to that morning, we had started our soup kitchen ministry. Now, everything I'm about to say now, there, there's going to be kind of three parts to this thing, and here's the first part. We started a soup kitchen ministry called Tabitha's Place that we actually housed in the old fish market. At first, when we asked the lady who owned the fish market to let us use it, she wouldn't let us use it. We told her that we wanted to have like a Bible study room or something over there. She wouldn't let us use it. A few months later, I went and had a sit-down. I called her. She came down. I said, I said, we believe the Lord has told us to, to start a soup kitchen here. We want to feed hungry people. We don't have the room in this other building where we have our little church, but we got to have room. And uh, after... I just sort of told her that. She said, you know what? You can use this, this room, this, this building uh, forever at no charge as long as you're feeding people. And so she allowed us to knock a hole in the wall and ex expand over into the old seafood market. We updated it and got different stuff and, and, and turned it into a kitchen to feed hungry people. We started feeding people, I think, in, um, in April of 2001. That was kind of our first meal. Our first meal, I don't know, had probably 20, 25 people. It was difficult. It was difficult. 
to be able to get hungry people, and we got loads of them in this town. It was difficult to get hungry people to trust us enough to come in and eat with us. See, we were a white church in a black community. Now, I don't care what you say. There's prejudice on both sides of the street. And so we were kind of uncomfortable, honestly, and they were kind of uncomfortable. But people began to come. We began to feed them. And, and we feed from 25 to 100 or 115 people every Thursday evening at 5 o'clock. We did this for years. And after we'd been doing it for probably four or five years, I began to tell the elders, I said, you know, we need to... We're not, making, we're not making headway here. We're not really doing, we're not hitting the numbers and ministering to the people in terms that we need to minister to in this thing because of another little problem we had, and that was we were a church ministry, and we were asking other churches and, and organizations and groups to come in and minister with us, and some were, but we knew there was something more, okay? We knew there was something more. And so for about two years, we kicked around the notion of giving Tabitha's place away to somebody who was called to it. And after about two years, we gave Tabitha's place away to Janice Phillips because she had a call on her life to do soup kitchen ministry. And so we gave, we established something, and then we gave the thing that we established by faith to another individual and that individual has now taken it to a place where we could not take it, and they're about to expand. How many of you read the thing on, on, on uh, Facebook I sent out about Tabitha's place in Janice? About the most we ever served when we had it as a church was 125 people. Wayne and, Pe and Peggy did a, a Meals on Wheels things, and they got up to 50 or 70 or something. They were doing really good work. But there was a place beyond we couldn't go, and Janice took it to a place now where she's serving 800 to 1,000 meals a week. That's incredible. That's extraordinary. And she is expanding, and she's looking to do more. She, in, in these economic times, she's not looking to back up. She's looking to do more. And so we established something, and we gave it away. The second thing that we've done is that uh, about three years ago, we felt like that we wanted to expand our ministry into the Savannah area, okay, and plant a church. We worked down there, and people in their, our ministry were very faithful. We traveled back and to down there every Saturday night for about a year, and uh, we met with just loads of different people, and we were in the process of planting a church. And to make a long story short, eventually we moved into the, the, the hotel meeting room there on 204 at the Best Western, and we were meeting along there, and one, I mean, we were really getting some good stuff with the Lord, okay? But one Saturday night, all, I'm just, just, just out of, I'm telling you, out of the blue, the Lord said, he, I heard him say during the middle of worship, and we were, people were getting dreams and visions, and we were worshiping along there, and everything was rocking along real good. And during that experience, I heard the Lord say, you need to get out of here. This is your last. It's over. I'm standing there thinking, what? You're done here. 
And so I related that to the group, and they pretty much felt the same way I did. Some of them didn't understand it, but that's what we heard the Lord say. That's what we're going to do. And we shut it down. We moved away. Now, the interesting thing is, um, I know that I heard from the Lord to go to Savannah and start work. I know I've heard from the Lord to work in other places. But I know for a fact we heard from the Lord to go to Savannah. We did that. And I know for a fact we heard from the Lord to stop, and we did that. Kind of hard, though, just to stop. Because what that makes you look like, it makes you look like a failure. You hear me? It makes you look like a failure. The soup kitchen, when we gave it away, there was an opportunity for people to rumor and say, you know, they just failed. Because simultaneously with giving away the soup kitchen, we lost our little lease down there on Walmart Street. We had to move out. And so it, looked, it just looked like we'd failed. Now, concerning the church plan in Savannah, before we actually started meeting, I met with the Morningstar people in Charlotte and shared with them what we wanted to do. And there was interest in Morningstar to, to work with us to co-op on a church plan. It would, be, it would have been part of, we called ourselves then Providence Worshiping Arts Center, it would have been a PWAC Morningstar church plan. And so, just about the time we got started, Morningstar didn't feel like they wanted to do that, and so they kind of disconnected. No hard feelings, okay? No hard feelings, but they just disconnected, and so we were kind of on our own. So the end result is we left Savannah. Now, I guess about a year ago, about a year ago, we got word, and someone, William Oglesby, texted me, and he said, did you hear about the Morningstar church plant in Savannah? I said, uh, no. He said, well, he said, uh, there's going to be one planted. And so sure enough, about a month or six weeks later, word came out that they were going to actually officially start a church plant down there. And so I found out the contact information, and I contacted the people. I sent them a little email telling them what we had done down there, and I gave them a list of our contacts in the area if they wanted to, uh, you know, notify them and encourage them to get involved in the work and just sort of left it alone. And, and they're in the process now of regular meetings, I think they're down. They're starting out one a month, and they're they just sometime in the very short future. They're 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 taking members in, and they're going to get them a building. They actually are in a church now somewhere down there, and so they're going to start a Morning Star church down there. Yeah, praise the Lord. I am happy about that. Listen to me. Here's what I believe. I believe that part of what we were doing the year we were down there and plowing ground was helping prepare the way for Morningstar to put a church in Savannah. We don't, I don't approach my thought on this subject to put laurels upon us and to make us, you know, really look good. I'm simply telling you that I believe in my heart that it, it was God's purpose for us to be there and to raise consciousness in, in at least one part of the community about the need for a morning star church. But we were not the people to actually take that idea or that effort and run with it. We were to take it up to a point, like we took Tabitha's place up to a point. And then God took it, and, and now other things are developing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, 
I have planted, Apollos has watered, and God gives the increase. I have laid the foundation, and another man builds thereon. There is a principle, and here's something we need to understand. There is a principle in the kingdom that God has interwoven into ministry. Historically speaking, that people are to enter into other men's labors. God has chosen some people to lay foundations apostolically. The apostles and the prophets laid the foundation of the early church. And then men, apostles and prophets, began to co-op and work together. They'd work together for a while, and then they'd go on to something else. And, and it, to, to, the un, to the untrained heart, it would look like there's, there's chaos in all this. You know, why, if you've got a good thing going, why not stick with it? Why wouldn't God take an idea or a foundation that's been laid and let the person who laid that foundation take it and go with it and bring it to its full potential? That's not God's heart. It, it, it takes a team. It takes a lot of people doing lots of different things, incorporating different anointings and different giftings to get the kingdom where it needs to be. Okay? So what I'm seeing happen with Tabitha's place, we laid a foundation, we established something, we gave it away, put it in the hands of God, and this is what we said. We said if it's God, it'll, it'll, it'll fly and prosper. If it's not, it'll fail. And apostolic ministry is that way. You get to a point out, you know what God's called you to do, do that, and when he calls you to take your hand off of it, and this is going to be good, uh, I think it's wisdom, and, and we learned this wisdom kind of the hard way. When God gives you the heart to do something, do it, but when he, when he takes his hand off of it for you, you've got to trust him with the, the rest of it. It's like, it's like flying blind. It's like jumping off a cliff with no wings. If you jump off a cliff with no wings, God's either got to do one or two things. He's got to give you wings or he's got to catch you one or two because you're in a free fall. And I hadn't seen God let anybody splatter yet. But Tabitha's place laid a foundation, established something, gave it away, and the next person took it with their anointing and gift again and grew from that point. I believe with the church plant with Morningstar, we, got so, we, we were a part of something initially. And God said, quit, we quit. And somebody else who had been chosen to, to, to really build on something, they come in, they put their hands to it, and they begin to build. I'm okay with that. Having said all that, getting back to this meeting one Sunday morning, we had a family meeting in um, 2002, and I don't remember what the purpose of it was. It was just a family meeting, and we were all in that little storefront room, and, and somehow or another, and I don't know how we got to this point, but somebody brought up uh, the notion, and it was a God idea, that we needed to give a portion of our treasury to another ministry. And Wayne had something to say. I don't, do you remember what you said, Wayne? Do you, I, I can't. It just cut. <laughs> and, and Wayne had something to say. And we had already agreed that we needed to give a portion of our treasury to another ministry. And so we were, we were at the point now where we were trying to decide 
how much to give. And then that's when Wayne got up and said something. And I don't know what he was saying. I don't remember what it was, but I remember the wheels were turning. And Wayne was saying something, and God was at work in the, in the, in the meeting. And when, when Wayne got through, we were still, there's this big question mark as to what we were going to give. And I believe I'd heard the Lord say something. And when Wayne sat down, I said, I believe I heard the Lord say, give it all. The whole building fund. Because the building fund had been given to us uh, by a lady in the church. Her husband passed away, and she gave us a portion of the life insurance money. Okay? And so we were trying to, we knew the Lord wanted to give it away, but we were trying to figure out how much. And I said, I heard the Lord say, give it all. Now, at this point, it's like I said this morning to one or two people, at this point, I didn't really know how many people were packing that day. And it's a real scary thing when either me or somebody else, even if somebody else would agree to it, whatever how it happened, and, and it's all kind of fuzzy, but it's, it's a scary thing whenever you're standing in front of a bunch of people and you're saying, we got $10,000 in the building fund and God says, give it all away. We were in a little storefront looking for some land to buy and somewhere to build our little church, and, and, and God's saying, give it all away? I'm telling you, that's one of the, it was one of the easiest yet hardest things we, I ever had to do. So you know what we did? And I actually saw a picture of this here a while back. We wrote a check right then for $10,000. Immediately when service was over, Janie and I took the check. We drove it to uh, Florence, Alabama, to meet with a man named Leif Hetland. Leif uh, is Global Missions Awareness. He had just, he had ministered in our church. He'd come there two or three times, I think, whenever we were first starting out, and, and he was kind of first starting out, and uh, he had just been, and so we felt like that's where the money needed to go. We drove it, we called him and told him that we were coming with a check because in the meetings that he had had with us, he had mentioned the fact that he needed $10,000 to start a ministry school or a school for missionaries in Pimba, Mozambique. And so we felt like that's where the money needed to go, and so he said, come on, we'll be here. So Janie and I drove, we stayed with uh, the Hetlands for two or three days, I think maybe, and uh, gave them the check, came back home. He took the check, went to Pimba, and established a school for missionaries. Now, Okay, that was 2002. We sort of left it alone, and I, you know, we didn't check on the thing. We didn't know the status. And then when we had this seed sowing thing came up, the seed sowing service and the message Farrell brought, Farrell just sort of asked the question. He, he mentioned that, that Sunday, and, and the question came up, you know, whatever happened to the school? Well, I didn't know because I hadn't kept up with it. And so a couple weeks ago, I began to investigate about the $10,000 in the school that had been started in Pimba. So I emailed Leif. His wife, Jennifer, picked up the email, and she sent me an email back, and this is what she said. She said, we operated the school for two years. 125 missionaries slash leaders were graduated from that school, she said, but in 2004... God instructed them that they needed to move their center of operations to Tanzania. And so they, in turn, had to give the school away. Now, 
you know, we sent the we none of us have ever been to Pimba, Mozambique. But we sent the money, Leif established a school, it was operational. They then heard God say that they needed to go to Tanzania, so they've got they've got this thing going on here in ministry. They had to give it to somebody, and they gave it away in 2004. Now, I have given Kim a slideshow. It's a pictorial gallery. And Kim, could you put the first slide up there? Y'all just give us a minute. It may take a second. But we're going to take a look at this. Okay. This is an aerial view of Pimba, Mozambique on the Indian Ocean side of Africa. This is a picture of a plane just flying along the coast. Next slide, Kim. Yeah. This is a compound right here. That's a compound. You see, you can sort of see it. They've got all the little buildings and there's a so there's grounded area, you know. This is the compound where the ministry that uh, received our missionary school, that's where that's their base of operations. Okay, next slide. Y'all recognize that woman? It's Heidi Baker. How many of y'all know Heidi? Raise your hand. You know about Heidi, Iris Ministries. For those of you who don't know about Heidi, about Heidi Baker and Roland Baker, they operate one of the largest ministries to the poor in the entire world. When Leif got ready to leave Pimba, he gave our school to Heidi and Roland Baker. As I read the web page, as I went through it the last couple days, it, it's pretty expansive in terms of what's written down there. There's a place, and I wanted to pull it up to give you a quote, and I can't give you a direct quote, and I, I couldn't find the place, but, but on their web page, on Iris Ministries' web page, there's a place in there where Heidi identifies this mission's school as their heartbeat. That's not a direct quote, but that's what it means. It's their heart. Next slide. This is the baptism of one of the people. Next slide. Worship. They have church and worship services in their compound. Next slide. This is some of the poor people worshiping on Sunday. Next one. That is the mission school. Leif and Jennifer graduated 125 in two years. There's almost, if we could, if we could count them maybe, I would venture to say there's probably 125 under that canopy during one session of the school. Next slide. Next slide. Their church meets in, a, I think, a different place, but next slide. The lady worshiping. This, this actually, I, I believe this is a, um, a Muslim queen, and I have reason to believe that because she dresses like one. Next slide. 
This is one of the mission school students praying for a woman during worship. Next slide. Mission school students loving on somebody. Next slide. Next slide. That's a mission school student loving on somebody. Let me tell you something. I'm going to go ahead and say this. That hug and that prayer and that salvation and that worship, or maybe skip that part. That hug, that prayer, and that salvation quite possibly could never have happened had somebody not written a check and sent it to a little place in Alabama, sent it to Pimba, and ultimately wound up in the Baker compound. I'm sorry. I believe that. Now, would God have risen somebody else up? Yes, he would. But the point is, that hug <laughs> was made possible literally because years ago somebody died. Somebody died. Isn't that remarkable? Next slide. And this is Heidi actually teaching in their mission school. This is the canopy. This is the, uh, the, the place in the compound that actually is resident, or the mission school has residency in. I never in a million years on that day that that check was written, I never in a million years could have envisioned this. As a matter of fact, for several years, it was just sort of out of our mind altogether. And I think maybe, Farrell and people, I think maybe the reason this has come up today is because the Lord moved Farrell's heart and some other folks' heart for us to begin becoming consciously aware of what happens when God puts on your heart to sow a seed. This is proof and evidence, just like Tabitha's place, and just like the church plant in Savannah, and just like this missionary school. This is all evidence that God's hand and his heart and purpose is in apostolic ministry, which operates to a degree blindly in his will, doing what he says, agreeing with God, and then at some point just giving it away so somebody else can take it. And bring it to its full potential. That which you've started. This has given me renewed vigor and zeal to listen as closely as possible to the heart, the mind, and the voice of God. And when he says, take a thousand and put it here, then I take a thousand and put it there. When he says, take a hundred and put it there, I'll take a hundred and put it there. When he says, take something that you've built and give it to somebody else so they can, they can take that thing and uh, with my hands accomplish mastery in it, then I'm not afraid to do that. 
And I believe this ministry, I believe there's enough evidence this morning to show us that, that this ministry has made some good decisions. Even when we thought they might have been bad decisions. And I'll speak directly to you today. You've made a lot more good decisions in the kingdom than you think you have. If you have simply heard God and did what he said, you have done a lot more than what you may give yourself credit for. Who knows what the end result may be? I'm here this morning to encourage you to never think you failed, to never lay it down, to never quit, to never give up, to never listen to the voice of the enemy to the point where it will make you debilitated in what God wants you to do. I'm here to encourage you today to stay with it, to fight the battle, keep up the faith. And never, ever, ever think that it's just you alone. Because in the purposes of God, you're never alone. You have him, but he's always going to send somebody along to help you or to take up what you have started if you're not called to finish it. And here's what else I believe. I believe that is the apostolic model. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see it happening in real life, not only with individuals in ministry, but in churches and in cities. But today, it's something that the church needs to make sure she practices. Never skip it. Never overlook it. Never discount it. And you and this ministry and other churches have done a lot of good in the earth. But I wonder, I wonder what our potential could have been. If instead of cubbying over an idea or a ministry or an outreach or a program that was good and we decided to keep it to ourselves, I wonder if in, in the middle of success, if there hasn't been occasion where God has whispered into the heart, you need to turn this over to somebody else. You need to give this away. I wonder how many times we've kept a good thing. And by keeping the good thing, never reaped the great thing and the innumerable thing and the thing that's so magnificent you can't number it, you can't even begin to see the end of it. What better way could this little congregation reach the nations of the earth than through a mechanism that God laid in place? Not only are there Africans under that tent, there are Americans, there are Europeans, there are Asians, there are South Americans, people from all over the earth. By the hundreds go there to be equipped by the bakers to be sent back to their communities and to expand the kingdom. And when we stand before God, listen... I hope you don't think I'm tooting a horn. I'm here to bring a message. When we stand before God one day as a ministry, He is going to absolutely and totally remove the veil and let us see really what has happened there and in Tabitha's place and other things like it. 
and the, and the church in Savannah. You see, we have been a part, an active part of something that God has wanted to do in the earth. And I'm telling you now, there is an abundance of fruit now, but there will be a harvest that is inestimable. It cannot be measured. There are souls that are being saved. People being delivered and healed today in places we don't even know their names. Because God chose to do something through you. And through me. And through the people who have coursed these doors. He was doing it when we didn't even have two nickels to rub together, when you didn't even have $2 in your pocket. But yet you continue on. You didn't let the circumstances or what you saw today keep you from having faith and being obedient to God, just carrying on. Because see, it's in seasons like that when God's still working. When you can't see it, when you can't feel it, even in the moments where you greatly even doubt it. So never, ever, ever let what you see or what you feel determine what you do. And never let your lack of feeling God or seeing or, or thinking you see him working. Never let the never let your Never let your thoughts venture that way to think God's still and ain't doing nothing. Because he is taking what you have done and what you will do. And he has put it in the pot and he's cooking it. He's stirring it. And he's giving it out. I will tell you now, I'm excited. If I ever, listen, I give you complete and total liberty to do something. If I ever get the mully grubs and I act like or I express to you or you sense that or you discern that uh, I'm getting to the place where I don't believe anymore <laughs> about what God's doing, I give you the liberty to yank my chain and say, remember Pimba. Remember, Pimba. <laughs> that sounds like something come out of the Lion King, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I hope it has stirred you just a little. We sat in a meeting this morning. We tried to it seemed that we're all on the same page with the, with the seeds that were sown a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're, we're not going to use that to pay the light bill. <laughs> or the internet or, the, or, or, or rent or anything like that. We're not going to use it to fix the roof. We're taking that money and we're putting it aside. Because we want a harvest somewhere. When God says you sow this there, we're going to sow it there. I don't know, I don't even know that we have totaled it yet. I don't even know, but it was a good amount. 
we'll let you know when we find out. But There's a lot of things that when I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to really like. Now, what that moment's going to be like, I, I may be ashamed of some stuff, probably will, because that's the, that's the pivotal moment of eternity for me. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I got some things I'm not ashamed of. One of the things I'm not ashamed of is it's been, a, it's been a mark, sort of, of this ministry to give away what she has. I mean, look at the bookstore. We give away a lot more stuff than we sell. Matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, I'll go on record. I really, you know, I'm sorry. I'm a giver. You know what? If the Lord said give it all away, I'd be more than happy to give it all away. We already have. We're doing that. And you know what? Every time you look around, there's more books and more tapes. But I'm not ashamed, and I am less afraid today to give away everything I have or we have to the purposes of the Lord. And discovering how God has used our little mission school in Pimba to reach every single corner of the earth. I would be you, I and you would be hard pressed to go anywhere on this planet without finding a mark made on it through Iris Ministries. Somebody knows Heidi and Roland, or somebody's benefited from a meal, or somebody got prayed for and got healed, or, or somebody knows of, of where an Iris group is. We're part of that. And it's getting bigger every day. Y'all good with that? I'm so happy today. I mean, I am thrilled beyond your wildest imagination. I hope you are. Wayne's got something to say, so I need to shut up. Come on, Wayne. You know, there's a place in the Bible that says that there'll be 30 minutes of crying, and then crying will all be over with. There'll be crying, you know, as far as heaven's concerned. I think that that will probably be when we stand before the Lord, and he shows us what we could have done. Wayne, this is what I, I had for you. This is what you could have done. This is when I was digging, you know, fiddling with your heart, and what you when I wanted you to give, what would have happened. He, he's done that to, to me uh, a couple of times uh, with not obeying him in church. Uh, and it's, it's a really hiney spanker when God shows you something of what, what you, when you, if you'd obeyed him. That happened. I was at a strange church in Virginia. It was a giant church, big church. Just a few people there, but there were hundreds there. But and I was a visitor, and the Lord dealt with me with a message to walk down and give those people. 
And I looked around and I said, God, there, you got plenty of people in here to be able to do that. I didn't want to. So I didn't. I was, I, I was scared. I was intimidated. And you would have been too. So, <laughs> and so, but I was huffing and puffing. Yet, so, you know, but don't obey the Lord's like, <laughs> like childbirth. <laughs> Painful. And, and after that service was over, he says, Wayne, this is what. That church was going through turmoil. They were going through divisions. And I needed an outsider to come in who didn't know the situation and speak and release. And I cried like a baby. Oh, it hurt. It hurt. And, and if God would only begin to show us things, little simple things when he speaks to us, Help that person out. Keep that person. Then the kingdom, the kingdom, that's the reason we're here. The kingdom right. will be progressed. Right. It may be a simple thing. Like this morning, I was busy getting dressed for church, and all of a sudden there was a, at the door, and it was a neighbor who constantly always wants something. Who sometimes makes it a struggle to be a Christian. You, you know, y'all may not have that, but I, I occasionally experience that. And this neighbor says, um, are you going to town today? And I said, yeah, I'm going to church. And I'm coming back from church. <laughs> and I was trying, trying, trying nicely, and I was thinking, and I started to tell him, go to the other neighbor that doesn't go to church and ask them to take you to church, take you to town, because he wanted to get some milk and some bread because they were out. And I said, but um, I'm going to church, and, but, but, you know, I'm coming back. But, you know, and he said, well, it, just let me know later if uh, uh, you're going to town. So as I started getting dressed and all, the Lord started dealing with me and said, you know, which is more important? You going to church and becoming more of a Christian or being a Christian. So by the time I had gotten dressed, uh, the Lord had pretty well said, look, that's, this need is more important than what your plans are. And so I ended up obeying the Lord, and the Lord worked it out. He was waiting on me outside my door again to knock again. When I got dressed, I said, oh, it's fine. I'm taking you to town. Took him to town and the guy's stuff. But I did it for the glory of God. But, you know, as I was in the shower and the Lord was dealing with me, he says, you know, if that was me at your door, you would not only want to take me to town, but you'd probably want to buy my bread and milk for me. I didn't, though, but anyhow, <laughs> he was just seeing if I'd be willing to, okay? <laughs> See, I'm not perfect yet. <laughs> but, but think about it. Our investment in giving. We waste enough in our little drinks, our little coffees, our little happy, I mean, uh, habits and things like this that could feed and help somebody. I know uh, on, on feeding the poor, they have a section where you can give $20 and feed 348 meals. Yeah. And, it's, and so the Lord started dealing with me a lot that. We start beginning to start thinking kingdom, okay? Start thinking kingdom, people. Let's step out of the kingdom. Now, the reason I came up here, I want to get a fresh testimony. Uh, a praise report for the seed. Our family is having some timber cut for our state. Because the states, when you have the states, it costs money to run them. Okay? So we needed money. So, we, you know, so we're having the, this timber cut. 
and uh, they, they gave us a guesstimate of how much it was going to cut, and it was like, ooh, that was down what we really wanted. But uh, anyhow, thank the Lord we'll make do with that. The men came in and started cutting a couple of weeks ago, and the guy that's over it, he came and he says, uh, look, I don't think we're going to even make as much as we had proposed. And I said, ooh. But the Lord has put training in me. I took out my pen, I got out my checkbook, and I wrote a seed offering. And I did a seed offering. This week, God called me up, and he says, Wayne, I got some good news for you. They're doing a lot more than they even thought. Even it's going to go beyond our estimate that we gave you. It's doing great. I said, thank you, Lord. I tell you, people, the seed offering works. If you have a need, give. Now, the reason why, you know, we talk about money and money, 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 but money represents your life. When you've worked on your job, you have spent hours of your life on that job, and you get paid in money. So that money represents, so it's not like you're trying to buy God. It's like saying, God, this is time that I have spent working and toiling, and I am going to invest it into you by faith, into your kingdom, in order that my need would be taken care of. And it works. So if you have any doubt, sow a seed for your business, for your need, for your child, for your childbirth, and whatever. I'm telling you, it works. It works. Honor God. Honor God. It works. Um, Wayne gave me some CDs from Gary Kesey. Yeah, uh, back on Oh, if you don't have a, a Kesey tape and you'd like to have one, get it, please. Let me know. Uh, I will see about getting you one. Uh, Gary Kesey, okay? Financial Revolution. I listened to it. Wayne gave it to him, I guess, about a month ago or so, and I finally broke down week last week and started listening to him. Y'all, it is the most simplest thing I've ever heard in my life. Heard this gospel, heard it, and heard it, and heard it, and heard it, but the way this man brought it forth, it got down into my heart. Well, last Sunday, I, we gave the seed offering, and I had some bills that had to get paid this past week. I didn't have the money to do it, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not have what I had to have to do it with. I said, well, God, my bonus from work doesn't pay out till next month. I don't have it. I planted my seed offering, y'all. It wasn't tenfold return. It wasn't a twentyfold return. It was a two hundredfold return Friday. So, oh God! And it paid out a month early. A month early. The company I work for has never paid bonuses out a month early, and I got it Friday. Isn't that cool? The way God works. So anyway, you know those are testimonies and. and it, Seed, you know, when we receive somebody's seed offering, it's, it's not a fundraiser. And we make that very clear because we're going to honor what people sow in terms of seed. If they choose to give it to us, if they choose to give it to another ministry or whatever, that, you know, you know we don't, we're not here asking for the money, but we're just simply telling you that there's a principle at work. 
just like there has been in this ministry, there's been a principle at work that we didn't really understand up until recently, and we're, we're glad for that. So, um, is Pastor Jane, you got, she got something she wants to say? In Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit was promised. The disciples were assembled together, and they were told to wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They didn't understand what that was. It had never happened before. Brand new concept to them. Therefore, they were together waiting for this thing that Jesus had told them would come. And one said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for the kingdom of Israel to be a military restoration. They wanted that government overthrown. They wanted not just for the um, kingdom of, of God to overcome in their spiritual lives, but they were thinking this is going to be a military thing. We're going to get these old Roman soldiers off our backs. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That still speaks to us today. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and his power is within you. There is good that you can do in Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is Jessup, Georgia. This is the city you live in. You shall be my witnesses in Samaria. That's just down the road, Savannah, Georgia. Judea, a little bit further over. And the uttermost ends of the earth. Pemba, Mozambique. You know, this principle of just letting the Spirit of God dwell within you and his power work through you, it still works today. So the things that you do, sometimes you may not even realize it for years to come. It affects your hometown, your close neighbors, cities an hour down the road, or a continent removed by an ocean and a world away. You never know the good that you do today, who that affects, and the ramifications of that just changing the world. All things are possible through God. Now, um, another thing. It is my full intent and purpose. Probably can't do it today. Maybe I can do it tonight. My full intent and purpose 
is Tarat Heidi. I got her email address. I'm going to write her, and I'm going to explain our connection with what she is currently doing. During that correspondence, I'm going to invite her to come here, right here. You know what? I believe she'll come. That's what I'm believing for. My wife has wanted to meet her for a long, long time, and we haven't had the opportunity. But they do travel back and forth to the States, up and down the East Coast, and so we're going to invite her. And I'm going to put that in God's hands. I'm not going to try to manipulate her or whatever. I'm simply going to tell her what the relationship is, and we would like to meet her and just say, you know, if you're ever close by, we're right off I-95. They got an airplane, we got an airport. Have y'all seen Roland's new plane? Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? That was given to him, by the way. So you look up Iris Ministries on Facebook, check out his plane. They, got, they could haul some people. I think they could fly from Africa to here on one tank full of gas. But anyway, we wanted to share these things. I hope we haven't bored you. We've given you some history, sort of an overview there's a lot more history. Maybe we can do that another time. I hope you don't think this has been a, a, a missed Sunday where, you know, you missed. I mean, we missed a Mother's Day message, basically. <laughs> but uh, I hope that the Lord has spoken to you. I hope he's stirred you. I hope he's given you some encouragement. I hope, he's, I hope he has sparked something in you that will last you as long as you live. Yeah. Um, Kim Coleman was my good friend. I spent two weeks there several years ago. And then her daughter, Christina, just finished three months there last September. Yeah. yeah Kim's in actually in somewhere in Africa, but not Mozambique right now. She's in Kenya or somewhere right now. That's cool. Somebody else had a quick word they wanted to share? I, I, Kim? Yes, she did. Yeah, I saw the same one yesterday. I think Roland put that or it was on. Maybe it was on the Iris Facebook page. I don't know. So um, anyway, God's up to stuff. And he wants to include you. And he wants to include me. I'm glad for that. <laughs> okay, anybody else? We good? Everything okay? Everybody stand up. We're going we're gonna to take off, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in the earth, even though we don't see it. <laughs> we're thankful you're doing what you're doing in the earth, sometimes even if we don't believe it. And God, we are so thankful that you include us in your great plans and purposes. And that you could 
you could just look at the earth and you could correct every ill, every wrong, you could cure every disease, you could cast out every demon, you could save every soul. You could just, just look at the earth and do that. That's not your plan. You've chosen to use people, men, women, boys, and girls, to accomplish your purpose in the earth, to be the feet, hands, eyes, and heart of Jesus. Thank you, God, for using us. And we rejoice, dear God, in what you have done, but we look forward eagerly to the next adventure. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. And remember, Pimba.